Bibles, you can uh, open them up and follow along. It'll also be available up here on the screen to follow along up there. And if you are physically able to, we'd like to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. So if you wouldn't mind, please, uh, standing with me as we look at Luke 2. Starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this morning we get to remember your gift of a Savior, your provision for our salvation. Lord, help us to be still and to hear and to see all that you have for this world, for for your people. Lord, help us to take to heart this morning the extraordinary message of this gospel passage. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. 
Well, growing up, there were few things better than getting a new pack of basketball cards. I, I still remember the package holding it in my hand. Shiny, glossy, slick. It made that glorious sound when you opened it. That little unique, special crinkling sound. You got the, the waft of that, that fresh cardboard, right? Coming out. You slip the cards out and fan them open. And you know, inside of that pack of cards was, was the hope and joy you know, of, a, of a little kid. And then you pull out these cards, you fan them out, right? And you look at what you got, what treasures you got. Maybe it was, a, you know, this is really dating me here, but no, a Shaquille O'Neal card, Charles Barkley, Ewing. Maybe if you hit the jackpot, you know, you got a Jordan. And you would sit there and look at every detail, right? You look at not just the player and the picture of them, like, dunking on somebody, but you look at the pattern, you look at the gloss, the, the, the shine, the embossing on the card, you flip it over, you read through all the stats on the back, you just take it all in, right? And then you had to store that card. You had to have a system for that. At least, I, I don't know, I did. And so <clears throat> the common cards, you know, just went in a box. Uh, but then the uncommon cards went into a, a binder, that was, uh, you know, had little sleeves in it. And then there were the, the rare cards that had a little plastic case. You, you put them in to, to protect them. And those were the ones that would go up on the shelf, right? Those were the ones that you, you looked at, you, you admired, you put them in a place of, of prominence to reflect on and to show off to your, your friends, right? Those were, those were, the treasures of a young boy. Last night at the Christmas Eve service, we reflected on one kind of response to the good news of Jesus' birth, and that was the response of sharing. You know how profoundly and mysterious, delightful, delightfully it is that we get to uh, share something beautiful and insightful and creative and awe-inspiring with others, and as we do so, our joy expands. Our joy grows as we share it with others. But I absolutely love that in the same passage, we see a different kind of response. And I wanted to spend Christmas morning reflecting on that second response that we see here from Mary, from Jesus's mother. It's helpful to first recall Mary's experience up to this point. So you'll recall from this uh, gospel as well as from the gospel of Matthew that Mary was visited by an angel nine months prior to this. She was informed that she was favored by God, that she was going to bear a child who would be the Messiah. And she responded humbly in faith. She carried that child to term, no doubt enduring suspicions and judgment for being pregnant out of wedlock. She traveled while nine months pregnant back to Bethlehem because a census was ordered by Caesar Augustus. And I can tell you, having 
had three children, just traveling at nine months pregnant from your house to the hospital is quite an ordeal. So I cannot imagine this, uh, this journey. Uh, then while they were there, she went into labor, most likely in the family room of a friend or a relative's home where the mangers were typically kept for the animals. So alas, tragically not as we envision from the carols in a, in a stable. And now here in this passage, she's visited by shepherds who give this astounding report. They had been visited by an angel who came bringing good news of great joy that a Savior had been born, Jesus the Lord. And they would find him in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, exactly as Jesus was. And the shepherds were ecstatic, right? They just, you can see from their response, they just go out and they tell everybody that they can find about this good news. But Mary responds differently. Do you notice verse 19? It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Other translations say she, she meditated on them or she thought about them often. She responds with thoughtful consideration, with, with contemplation, with reflection, with assessments, with, with meditation. And what is she considering so carefully? It says, these things. Likely that would have included, of course, all the events that had transpired leading up to this moment, thinking over the last nine months, the, the angelic visits, the visit with Elizabeth, the journey to Bethlehem. Looking at all of these things, assessing them from different angles and perspectives, thinking through the little details maybe that she had missed in the past, dreaming about how all of this was going to play out. But certainly, she was thinking over what the shepherds told her and Joseph that evening. The message brought by the angel about her son, who would be the Savior, the Lord, the Messiah. She's turning this over in her mind and in her heart, weighing, considering, examining, like working on a jigsaw puzzle. She's She's sorting and evaluating all these truths and pondering how they fit together. And as she ponders all of this, it says she treasured it. She treasured what God had done. She treasured what God had revealed. Now, all of you con uh, contemplative, introverted types in here this morning, you're saying, preach, right? Preach but you're saying it quietly, internally, inside your heart, as, as we do. Uh, as one, you know, one of those myself, I have to say I feel quite at home in Mary's response here. But whether uh, that's your natural inclination or not, there's a lot here for us to glean. And I want to just briefly ponder two ways we can practice this response of contemplating and treasuring Christ this Christmas morning. The first is to cherish the splendor of God's character. How many attributes of God's 
character do we see displayed in the birth of Jesus? We see his, his compassion, that he cares for a people lost in their sin. We see that he's gracious, that he gives us a gift that we do not deserve and could never earn. We see that he is merciful, that he does not treat his creation as their sins deserve, but he spares us that fate. We see that he's holy and he's just, that he's morally perfect, and, and he requires atonement for our sins, but that he provides a way for that. And so we see his goodness as well. We see his wisdom, that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows our needs better than we know them ourselves. We see his generosity, that he will provide for those needs at extraordinary cost. We see his glory, that he garners the praise and admiration of human and angel alike. We see his power, we see his beauty, we see his greatness, we see his truthfulness. There are perhaps more attributes of God's character displayed in the coming of the Savior than we can enumerate. But one in particular stands out to me this year. Though I can only imagine, I would venture to guess that it stood out to Mary as well. We see in all the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus that God was faithful. That he was faithful. Consider the ways that he was faithful to this young woman, Mary. When the news of Mary's pregnancy caused Joseph some concerns, God sent an angel to reassure Joseph. When Mary and Joseph unexpectedly had to travel to Bethlehem for the census, God provided a place for them where Jesus was born. When Mary and Joseph almost certainly felt exhausted, exasperated as new parents do, God sent an angel to nearby shepherds with this message of salvation. And the very symptom of Mary and Joseph's exhaustion and exasperation and lack of control, their baby lying in an animal's feeding trough, was the, was the sign that God gave for the shepherds to identify their Savior. God used the symbol of their lack of control as the sign of his faithful provision. And a kind word of encouragement from a loved one means a lot to new and tired parents. Can you imagine the impact of the message that the shepherds brought? Through every unexpected twist, through every difficulty, through every trial, God showed himself faithful again and again. And God worked in those seemingly disparate details, not only to care for Mary and for Joseph, but to provide for his people. The prophet Micah foretold this around 700 years prior, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. 
God worked through Mary and Joseph's unexpected and arduous journey to fulfill this messianic sign. God was faithful. In what ways has God been faithful to you? As you recount your life, do you see the hand of God in different places? Through your joys, through your sorrows, through your successes, through your failures, through your pain even. Sarah Grove's song, He's Always Been Faithful, uh, is one that ministers to me regularly. Morning by morning, I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch him amazed in awe of the mystery of his perfect ways. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. Today is a wonderful day to remember how God has been faithful to you. To meditate on the ways the Lord has provided, guided, protected, delivered. But if you struggle, as some of us may, to recall those personally this Christmas morning, you can join with Mary in treasuring the faithfulness of God in the coming of Christ, our Savior. So we cherish the splendor of God's character. Second, we consider the magnificence of God's plan. Consider the magnificence of God's plan. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, For God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before the foundation of the earth, God had a plan of redemption in mind. Before the first tree, before the first flower, before the first sunrise, before a bird took flight or an elephant stomped the ground or a star twinkled in the night sky, before the existence of life and creation as we know it, God already was thinking of you. And he was not just thinking of your creation, but of your eventual need for salvation. He planned our redemption from the beginning. And his masterful plan hinged on divine revelation, divine sacrifice, divine suffering. It depended on the incarnation. It depended on a savior coming into this world to lay down his life for our forgiveness. At Christmas, we remember and we celebrate the central aspect of God's redemptive plan, that in the fullness of time, at just the right moment in history, Jesus came to bring salvation for sinners. As the, the carol goes, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. 
born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The marvelous plan of redemption is something that we're not only recipients of, you know, like a UPS driver dropping the box at the door, but we're participants in. This news proclaimed by the angels changed the course of history and the trajectory of every life that it has touched. Certainly it did for Mary and Joseph and Jesus' family and his disciples and all the people that Jesus healed, the blind, the deaf, the lame. It changed the lives of the people that he set free from spiritual oppression. It changed the lives of the leaders who chose allegiance to him. And this good news will change the life of every person that receives it because it's not simply a declaration as the angels proclaimed. It's an invitation. The Savior born Christmas Day invites you to a new life, a new purpose, a new identity, a new family, and a new home. And by receiving him, you get all of that, and you get to share that with others. What a marvelous God that cares for us sinful human beings and sent Christ to save us. What an extraordinary God who would use ordinary human beings like shepherds, like Joseph, like Mary, like you and me, as participants to fulfill his redemptive work in this world. So this morning, we have much to be thankful for, much to consider, much to ponder, and much to treasure. And I pray that the Lord will minister to you this Christmas day as you treasure him and treasure these things in your heart. Amen.